As climbing moved into the third millennium, it was in a good place. Standards were sky high. Bolts and sport climbing had opened up previously unprotectable terrain, and the movement itself had become more dynamic and gymnastic. It was no longer all about the summit of the mountains and the big walls. From 10-foot-tall boulders to 150-foot sport routes, climbers were seeking difficulty. And that's because of what came in the decade before. Ethics had been challenged. The old school drew a line in the sand and the new, younger climbers had all but ignored it, opting instead for a different approach, a smarter approach. They wanted to climb hard things and the old way was holding them back. The French started it and taunted everyone else. Just do it, they cried. And they weren't staying inside their own borders. America, the UK, nowhere was safe from the hangdogging ethics and otherworldly footwork. But the Brits quickly got the message. Living on the dole, with difficult terrain everywhere, finger-punishing walls in their cellars, and punk rock erupting from their stereos, they were poised to do the unthinkable. They blasted off into France and launched into orbit before the French climbers even knew what hit them. And the French should have known better. Because at the start of the decade, one of the loudest, most boisterous climbers in the country had opened his mouth and made a statement that he would, I hope, come to regret. Why? Because Lynn Hill. That's why. Seriously, they should have known better. And so a new battle began, not one of ethics or tactics, but one of dominance, a pissing match of epic proportions that would see some of the best climbers in the world going at it. Antagonizing, yes, but also pushing each other to climb harder and harder and harder, or maybe just a claim that they had. But outside the grade and root name arguments at the upper limits of sport climbing, there were others. Moving the sport forward in their own way, a philosophical German training fiend whose humility seemed to rise above had brought climbing to a new level, and then another, and then another, and he was poised to do it again. A quiet, thoughtful figure with the largest forearms ever seen doing the hardest moves ever done. A team of Wyoming cowboys riding out the worst storm imaginable on the side of a huge remote tower in Pakistan. A ghost in a French forest who would repeatedly raise world standards only to disappear into the trees and another who would all but close the gender gap and is still criminally overlooked. We'll visit climbing areas that gave rise to legends. Bukes, Semai, Smith Rock, Branson, Fontainebleau, the Basque region of Spain, the Trango Towers, the Frankenjura, Raventor, and of course, Yosemite Valley. I'm Chris Hampton, 
You're listening to Written in Stone, Climbing's Most Important Ascents. This is Season 1, the 1990s. One, two. Over the next 20-plus weeks, every week, you'll hear the stories of 10 of the most important ascents of the 90s, followed by conversations with today's best climbers about how they were inspired by what went down way back then. The first two episodes drop October 30th. Everywhere you get pods, subscribe now so you don't miss it. And please tell everyone you know, at the gym, at the crack, Follow the pod on your friends' phones, and together, we can tell the stories of climbing's most important ascents, one decade at a time.